So here's some hopefully humorous statements. Now, this may or may not apply, so don't take any of this stuff personal, but it's just, you know, but motherhood. So here's some humorous statements. Motherhood is full of frustrations and challenges, but eventually they move out. (laughs) And, and, And some of you said, amen. That's okay. The mother of three notoriously unruly youngsters was asked whether or not she'd have children if she had to do it over again. Yes, she replied, but not the same ones. <laughs> a little boy forgot his lines in a Sunday school presentation. His mother was in front in the front row to prompt him. She gestured and formed the words silently with her lips, but it did not help. Her son's memory was blank. Finally... She leaned forward and whispered the cue, I am the light of the world. The child beamed with great feeling and a loud, clear voice said, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) A teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does. The next day, in a written test, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother. Uh, The evolution of mothers. Being a parent changes everything. But being a parent also changes with each baby. Here are some of the ways having a second and third child is different from having the first. Maternity clothes. The first baby... You begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your doctor confirms your pregnancy. The second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. And the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. (laughs) Preparing for the birth. First baby, you practice your breathing rigorously, religiously. Second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember that last time breathing didn't do a thing. And the third baby, you ask for an epidural in your eighth month. (laughs) The baby clothes. The first baby, you pre-wash your newborn's clothes, color coordinate them, and fold them neatly in the baby's little bureau. The second baby, you check to make sure that the clothes are clean and discard only the ones with the darkest stains. And the third baby, boys can wear pink, can't they? (laughs) Worries the first baby at the first sign of distress, a whimper, a frown. You pick up the baby. The second baby, you pick the baby up when their wails threaten to wake the firstborn. Third baby, you teach your three-year-old how to rewind the mechanical swing. (laughs) The pacifier, the first baby. If the pacifier falls on the floor, you put it away until you can go home and wash and boil it. The second baby, when the pacifier falls on the floor, you squirt it off with some juice from the baby's bottle. And the third baby, you wipe it off on your shirt and pop it back in. (laughs) Diapering. First baby, you change your baby's diapers every hour, whether they need it or not. The second baby, you change their diaper every two to three hours if needed. And the third baby, you try to change their diaper before others start to complain about the smell or you see it sagging to their knees. This okay? This all right? Something different for me, you know. Going out. The first baby... 
First time you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home five times. Second baby, just before you walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached. The third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. (laughs) At home, the first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing at the baby. The second baby, you spend a bit of every day watching to be sure your older child isn't uh, squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. And the third baby... (laughs) You spend a little bit of every day hiding from the children. These are still humorous, hopefully. My mother taught me statements. My mother taught me and my brother to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished vacuuming the floor. My mother taught me religion. You'd better pray that stain will come out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. And my mother taught me about stamina. You sit sit there until your spinach is gone. My mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into the world. I can take you out. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it (laughs) when you get home. She taught me about genetics. You act just like your father. She taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. Okay, why did God make mothers? The following are different answers given by school-age children to the given questions. Why did God make mothers? Uh, one, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Two, I think, uh, think about it. It was the best way to get more people. And third, mostly to clean the house. Why did God make mothers? He used dirt just like for the rest of us. These are kids saying this now. Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. And third one, he made my mom just the same like, the same like he made me. He just used bigger parts. Okay, now you want some reflections? Are you getting anything out of this? Okay, some reflections. The influence of a mother. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. He also said, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me and have clung to me all my life. He also said, no man is poor who has had a godly mother. George Washington said this, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual and physical education I received from her. John Abbott said, Mothers have as powerful an influence over the welfare of future generations as all other earthly causes combined. Andrew Jackson said this, There never was a woman like her. He's talking about his mother. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with, and on that capital I have made my way. W.R. Wallace said, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis said, 
If you bungle raising your children, I don't think whatever else you do well matters very much. Denzel Washington said, my mother never gave up on me. I messed up in school so much that they were sending me home, but my mother sent me right back. I think I remember with my mom when I got into uh, first grade, I didn't want to go to school. Kindergarten was okay because it was just kind of like a just a prolonged recess. But when you got into first grade, you had to sit in the, in the desks, and I didn't like that. I just hated going to school, and so uh, I would pretend that I was sick. Did anybody ever do that besides me? And so first day, okay. The second day. She'd come get me, and okay, second day she'd come get me, and then the third day I pulled it, she brought me home. I'll never forget, she made me sit in my room and look out uh, the window. And I looked out the window all day long, just all day long. You know, that's boring to look out the window all day long. She said, now if you get sick again tomorrow, you're going to have to sit there and look out the window all day long. So that that cured me, that cured me. And uh, she also used to tell me, my mom... She always, she said, you, you know, you want to be able, she said, you need to go to school. I said, why do I need to go to school? And she said, you need to learn how to read. And I don't know, we had saw, we had read something in a little book or something about uh, the little bear that he sat on the stool and there was a, there was a sign on the stool that said uh, on the, on the uh, bench, park bench, wet paint. My mother always told me, you want to be able to read wet paint, don't you? And I said, yeah. yeah. She said, you don't want to sit on the... She, she, she said to me, you don't want to sit on the, on the bench. You can't read wet paint if the bench has got wet paint. So I just remember that about my mom. I, you know, she took me to school on the tractor. I told you all that story. You know, when the car wouldn't start, I missed the bus. And then I thought, well, I'm get out of school and the car wouldn't start. And then so she fired up the tractor and uh, the big old farm tractor and drove me up Hawkins Road to Kellison School. And and I thought I was going to be, you know, the kids were going to laugh at me, but I was the big thing, man. They just thought that was great. They wanted my mom to give them a ride on the tractor. And so that was a, and then, the, the, you know, I could tell so many stories about my mom. But when other one I think of right now, when we were building this building, there was a dumpster out here. You probably heard me tell this before, but my mom, she she was uh very well off financially, but the reason that she got that way was because she was a saver, never wasted anything, waste not, want not. And uh, she she was into, uh, 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 you know, collecting those uh, aluminum cans. And I remember we were walking around when we were building this building, there was a big dumpster out here and, and uh, she, you know, it was half finished, the building, and there was a dumpster and she looked down in the dumpster and she saw some aluminum cans down in there and... And she said, I want those cans. And I said, you know, Mom, they're way down in there. It's not like you could just reach in. You had to climb down in there. And and she said, I want the cans. And I said, Mom, we're just, you know, we're not, you know, I'll go up to the store and buy a couple of cans and drink drink the soda and you can have those cans. And she said, no, I want, she said, I'll take those too, but I want those down in there. So she was she was headed up. She was going to climb up on that thing and go down in that dumpster. And I said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I got up there and I got my belly on the thing and I was, you know, like a teeter totter. And she had me by the feet. 
you know, on her shoulders. And so <laughs> she was tipping me up in there in my feet. I thought, you know, if any church members come by, I'm not going to be able to explain this. But she tipped me up there and I got, I got, the, I got, the, got the cans and she pulled me back down and then, and then we got the cans out of there. And I guess it was worth the penny to her. It wasn't worth it to me, but, but I think about that with my mom. So many things. She's a great, really a great mom. Okay, let's see here. Uh, let's read. Can I read a few more of these? The meanest mother in the world. Let's talk about that. We had the meanest mother in the whole world. Let's see who was who was saying this. I'll tell you who said it. Steve Hess. I don't know who he is, but this is. He said he had the meanest mother in the whole world. So let's read about this. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, and actually I used to eat Susie Q's for breakfast, by the way. I'd have, a, you know, remember Susie Q's? I'd eat about three or four of those for breakfast. I'd take them and I'd dip them in hot tea. Now, see, I drank coffee until I was about eight years old. And then I quit drinking coffee because, see, I was raised around the older people, you know. And so they all drank coffee. I, ate, I drank coffee. And then it started bothering my stomach, so I started drinking tea. But I'd have a Susie Q's. How many, did they still make Susie Q's? And I'd dip, they, they were like the, the chocolate and with the white filling. And I'd eat about four or five of those for breakfast. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No wonder I was spinning around when I got to school. Anyway... Let's read on here. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess, you can guess our mother fixed us a dinner that was different than other kids too. Mother insisted on knowing where you were at all times. Mine did too. Mine did too. I had to call her. We didn't have cell phones back there then. And so I'd have to, if I was going to do something after school, if my plans change, I'd have to call her. And I'm glad she made me do that. And I did that. I did that very, very well. I always let her know where I was and what was going on. I still do that with my wife. Only we have cell phones now. So that's good. Anyway, you can guess our mother fixed us dinner that was different than other kids. Mother insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You would think we were convicts in a prison. She had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. She insisted that we, that if we said we were uh, would be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but she had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work and do chores. We had to wash dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think she would lay awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds, and life was really tough. She wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so she could meet them. While everyone else could date, when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait till we were 16. Because of our mother, we missed out on lots of things other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, though, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church. 
and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with a friend on Saturdays. Now that we have grown up and left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents just like our mom was. The world just doesn't have enough mean moms anymore. And that's the God's honest truth, isn't it? I remember uh, I was out at the golf course one time working. That's where I worked at Eureka. Hidden Valley, you know, it's a, and it's a ski thing. Now it's not a golf course anymore. But I remember there was a, a friend of mine out there and he wanted me to go to the bar with him after work one night. Just to the bar. I'd never been to a bar. So I remember I called my mom on, I didn't have a cell phone, I called her on the phone and I said, Mom, so-and-so is, wants me to go to the bar with him tonight, can I go? I, I didn't intend to get drunk, I just intended to go and drink some Diet Coke and just see what it was like in the bar. And my mom said, no. And I said, excuse me, and she said, no. You know, I'm probably 17 at the time, she said, no. And I said, but I want to go. And she said, you're not going. And I said, oh, yes, I am. And she said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. She said, no, you're not. And that went back a few times. And she said, well, if you go, when you come home, you're going to find all your clothes and all your belongings sitting outside the door. If you're big enough to go to a bar, you're big enough to be on your own. But you're not going to live with me anymore. You go to the bar. So I didn't go to the bar. And I'm so glad I didn't go to the bar. I didn't lose anything at the bar. I had a fellow in Bible school. He was probably about 65 years old. He was a classmate in Bible school. And he told me he, he, he had been a drunk for years and years. He repented of it and got, got right with the Lord. And he told me this. I'll never forget it. He said, it took me 24 hours to climb into the bottle. And it took me 30 years to climb out. I'm glad I had a mean mom, huh? According to this. A mother's love. Let's see. This was James S. Hewitt said this. So let's let's see what he said. A mother's love. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales. Carrying her tiny baby in her arms. When she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard, she never reached her destination. And when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it about her baby. When they unwrapped the child, to their great surprise and joy, they found the baby was alive and well. She had uh, mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depths of her mother's love. Later, that child, David Lord uh, Lloyd George, grew up to manhood, became prime minister of Great Britain, and without a doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. Wow. I remember my mother telling me all the time, she says, as long as I have a piece of bread, you'll have one too. It's good, isn't it? The stages of motherhood. Four years of age, a child says, my mommy can do anything. Eight years old, the child says, my mom knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve years, my mother doesn't really know quite everything. Fourteen years old, naturally, mother doesn't know that either. Sixteen years, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. 
18 years of age, that old woman, she's way out of date. 25 years old, well, she might know a little bit about it after all. 35 years old, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. 45 years old, wonder what mom would have thought about that. And at 65 years old, I wish I could talk with mom just one more time. Makes you think, doesn't it? Just listen to these scriptures in Proverbs 15. It says, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 20 says, the one who curses their mom, their lamp will go out. In other words, if you, if you, if you oppose your mother, uh, it'll darken your path. You know, a lot of times we think about moms, but you know, stepmoms are moms too, aren't they? I've seen, I've seen a lot of biological moms who weren't really moms at all. They were just moms biologically. But a stepmom can oftentimes love a child more than the real mom. Stepmoms sometimes get a, get a bad deal because of Cinderella. Remember, and the wicked stepmother? Now, there are some wicked step-parents. But there are some step-parents that are really better than the biological mom. Did you hear me? And sometimes, you might have a great biological mom and a great step-mom. It just, it just depends on, on the situation. But a lot of times, step-parents get, get the short end of the stick a lot of times. I've watched situations over the years where the step-parent was there... They spent the time with the kids. They, they, they made the kids do the homework and whatnot. And then the kid would go over to the biological parent's house on a weekend. They'd have the big old party time and eat the Twinkies and all of that. And that parent was always the fun one. And then they'd have to come back home to the step-parent. And the step-parent would make them go to school and do their homework. And as years come and go, you know, the step-parent usually get, got the short end of the stick. You know what I mean? Because the kids didn't like the step-parent. But, but then they liked it, what we read about earlier. When they get older, then they're thankful that the step-parent was the way that they were. So, good natural parents, good natural moms. All I'm trying to say here is, you know, treat, treat the step-parents just as good as you would a, your, your biological, okay? You getting that? You understand? And I've seen great biological moms. I mean, all I'm trying to say here is sometimes step-moms get the short end of the stick and... Did you get what I said? Okay. So don't curse your mom. It'll darken your, your path. The Bible says, don't this, this Proverbs 23, don't despise your mom when she is old. Let's see. In Ephesians 6, the Bible says, honor your father and, excuse me, and your mother, which is the first commandment, which... Is the first commandment with promise. It's the first commandment. Do you ever think about that? To honor your, your parents is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. That it may be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. Now I tell you what. Now I, I seldom ever stand up here and pat myself on the back. I don't. You know I don't. And I've, I've messed up in a lot of things in my life. I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm not perfect. But one thing I, I have done is I did honor my mother. I really, really did. And so I got that promise I can, can stand, stand on. Live long on the earth. It's well with me. Um, 
And we could go on and on and on. You know, Jesus and his mother. Did you ever think about Jesus and his mom? You know, uh, she along with Joseph. See, Joseph was, see, Jesus had a step parent. Joseph wasn't his real father, right? He, Jesus didn't have a natural father. But he had a natural mother. But, but Mary, along with Joseph, took him to the temple when he was very young. That's good, isn't it? And along with Joseph, took him to Jerusalem yearly. as the custom of that time. At one point, his mom, did you know at one point, Jesus' own mom thought that uh, he was out of his mind. Remember that? I remember remember that. And uh, But she came around, didn't she? I remember when I told my mom we were going to Bible school, she thought, she thought I was... Now, she, she, she never spoke a word against Bible school. She never spoke a word against the ministry, nothing like that. But she uh, thought, you know, because she had just paid for my college education to become a math teacher. And now it was two years that I taught school. And now I'm going to leave all that and go to Bible school. And you can understand why she was upset with that. Very understandable. And, uh, and, and But she was concerned that we'd get down to Oklahoma and that we you know, wouldn't have enough money. And I can understand that, you know, her concern. But... Uh, but praise God, we went along with with that. She just she just didn't understand it. She she, but we came along, started the church, and she got to sit in the church here. And for years and years, she got to hear the word of God. You know, is that wonderful? And the good news is, is that without question, she's she's born again. Is that wonderful? But uh, Jesus' mom came around and she believed on him. And, and, and remember, she said, whatever he says to you to do, do it. So they had a real good relationship. And much we could say about it. But I think the thing that I think about Jesus and his mom is that guess who was near the cross? Along with other people. But guess who was right near the cross when he was crucified? His mother. She was there, wasn't she? Yeah. People ask me what happened to Joseph. I, we don't know for sure. Probably he, he probably he may well have died. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. All I know is that his mom was right by the cross, wasn't she? And Jesus hanging on the cross in that in that in that in that time, as difficult as it was, you remember, he turned his mother because he was responsible for his mother. So we know Joseph, apparently he had he had passed for whatever. Reason. I don't know. But but Jesus, what did he do? He turned his mother over to John, his beloved disciple. Right. And from that day, John took Mary into his house. So Jesus, even in that difficult situation, thought about his mother. He was hanging on the cross, dying, and he thought about his mother and his mother was there for him. Is that wonderful? Good son. How could you be have a better son than Jesus and and a good a good mom? Mary was a good mom. Uh, almost done here. Got one more page. Let's read this. The best translation of the Bible. There were four clergymen. These are, these are, I guess you could say preachers. Who were discussing the merits of the various translations of the Bible. One like the King James Version. Best because of its simple, beautiful English. Another liked the American Revised Version best because it's more literal 
and comes near the original Hebrew and Greek. Still another like Moffat's translation best because of its up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth minister was silent. When asked to express his opinion, he replied, I like my mother's translation best. The other three expressed surprise. They did not know that his mother had translated the Bible. Yes, she did, he replied. She translated it into life. And it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. Yep. You know, my mom, I knew more about the Bible than she did, but she'd say things at times. Isn't it good you only need to know Jesus? But she'd say things at times to me that uh, she knew a lot more about it than I thought she did. And uh, it's real neat. We have a uh, tape. Remember when cassette tapes first came out? I have had this in the drawer for years since I've been... A kid, I've kept this, it's, a, it's a, when first tapes came out. And my aunt worked at Singer Sewing in Crestwood there, and they had a, they had a tape recorder. And uh, she, my mom bought it for me for Christmas, I guess two Christmases, I guess, after my dad had passed away. This is back in like 1973. And uh, we taped things, and uh, our voices and whatnot. And I have that tape, and... Uh, I've got, actually, I've got my grandma on there. And, I, and we put it in and we played it the other day. I, it was too hard for me to listen. I didn't want to listen to it. But I put it in the other day. And, and I have my grandma on there talking. And uh, just like I remember, she's the one I cheated at Old Maid. And her and I lay in the bed in the morning. She'd read the Bible to me. I'm looking forward to seeing her again. And uh, but she's going to get me for cheating her an old maid. I guarantee it to you. But uh, but then also my mother's voice was on there, and it was cool to hear my mom's voice because as she got older, you know, voice changes and things, and it was it was good to hear her voice again, just as sharp. I mean, she was just, my mother was just as sharp and smart, just sharp as a whip, and uh, and she was singing on there. You know what she was singing to me in the garden, the song. In the garden. Isn't that something? I was like eight, nine years old. So that's uh, it's neat to have something like that. So pretty cool. On Mother's Day, a minister gave this perfect tribute to his mom. He said this, my mother practices what I preach. Isn't that good? It's pretty good, isn't it? The last, the last thing, when Robert Ingersoll... The notorious skeptic was in his heyday. He's a debater. Two college students went to hear him lecture. As they walked down the street after the lecture, one said to the other, Well, I guess he knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? The other said, No, I don't think he did. Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's godly Christian life, I'll stand by my mother's God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the moms, the stepmoms. The, we, just, we just thank you. We just trust that something I shared today was a blessing to somebody. And we just ask that you would help all of us children 